0: So the title that was given to me was Thomas Aquinas in the way of St Ignatius, but uh, in fact i've I've proposed uh, an alternative title, and that is that Thomas Aquinas enters the Society of Jesus <laughs> having, having been wounded in in battle, sorry, let me just uh, In the year 1522, the Basque soldier Ignatius of Loyola underwent a conversion experience. Soon after that, he made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And eventually that is in 1524, he returned to his native Spain where he began study of subjects that had not interested him while he was a soldier and also in the court. These years in Spain were trying ones as his apostolic activities were repeatedly questioned. In 1528, he decided to leave Spain for Paris where he would continue his studies in philosophy and theology and was eventually awarded a master's degree by the University of Paris. In 1535, with several companions, he left Paris for Rome where in 1540, the Society of Jesus was officially recognized. Ignatius remained in Rome until his death in 1556. There is good evidence of Thomistic influence upon Ignatius after the transfer to Paris in the so-called versio prima of the spiritual exercises, which is in Latin and probably dates to Ignatius's time in Paris, passages from the Summa Theologiae are cited, although the so-called textus autographicus, which is in Spanish and was used by Ignatius even late in his life, does not give the citations that you find in the other version. I must say that in doing my research on this, I always had the impression that the uh, so-called uh, textus autographicus was actually done by, by Ignatius, but in fact it's called that simply because um, there are notes in the margin uh, in the hand of Ignatius. In both these versions of the exercises, as, and in particular at uh, 3.14, mention is made of cinderesis, which is probably a reference to uh, Summa Theologiae Tre, Prima Secundae 94 1. Thomas is also mentioned by name, along with Jerome, Augustine, Gregory the Great, Greg the Great, Bonaventure, and Peter Lombard, in a sort of appendix to the exercises, often referred to as the Rules for Thinking with the Church. It is likely that this appendix was added to the exercises while Ignatius was in Paris. Thomas is also mentioned in the Constitutions of the Society of Jesus, written by Ignatius, where Ignatius specifies that in the colleges of the society, and I quote, books are to be lectured on, which are found to contain more solid and safe doctrine. And those which are suspect, or those authors who are suspect, will not be taken up, end of quotation. He then states explicitly that in theology, there should be lectures on the scholastic doctrine of St. Thomas. Obviously, however, it was during the years immediately following his conversion that the ideas that found their way into the finalized spiritual exercises first emerged. The influence of Thomas upon Ignatius during these years is by no means manifest, although there is reason to believe that during this, per- this period he would have, ffer- he would have um, favored things Dominican. While recuperating from the injuries suffered in a battle, or in that battle, uh, Ignatius picked up a volume entitled Fos Sanctorum, edited by the Dominican Jacobus de Foragine, which included sections in praise of Francis of and of Saint Dominic himself. In Ignatius's autobiography dictated in the years 1553 to 1555, in which uh, in Ignatius refers to himself in the third person, we read the following. In the reading of the life of our Lord and of the saints, he thought to himself and reasoned with himself What if I should do what St. Francis did, or do what St. Dominic did? Thus he considered many things that he found good, always proposing to himself things difficult and burdensome, which, when he proposed them, he regarded as easy to put into practice. But all this discourse consisted in his saying to himself, St. Dominic did this, so I must do it. St. Francis did this, so I must do it. That's the end of the quotation. Obviously, this does not constitute evidence that Ignatius was influenced by Thomas Aquinas, but it does show that for reasons embedded in his understanding of his own vocation, he was not at all resistant to Dominican and Sotomistic influences, quite the contrary. (laughs) Following his conversion, Ignatius traveled to Jerusalem, intending to live out his vocation there. Eventually, he realized that God was not calling him to efforts in Jerusalem, and so he returned to Spain. All the while, Ignatius was attracting admirers and even followers as he engaged in spiritual conversation and guidance, employing ideas that found their way eventually into the finished spiritual exercises. These ideas concerned to a significant extent the discernment of spirits. Which Ignatius had been practicing in his own life. Ever since, while recuperating from his injuries, he had noticed that his own—he had noticed that his own affective reactions to reading stories about knightly valor were were quite different from and ultimately less satisfying than his reactions to reading about the lives of the saints, including the life of Saint Dominic. And, in fact, I, uh, I'll be speaking a good deal of, of discernment of spirits, and, and primarily, or at least, you know, um, also because it's, it's a, a topic which is much discussed in these days, especially in the interpretation of, of current doctrine, t- teachings. These ideas, however, and Ignatius' uh, general approach, uh, rep- approach to the spiritual life, attracted the attention of the Inquisition, located in Toledo. The Spanish Inquisition, as is well known, involved many Dominicans. By this time, Ignatius was in Alcalá de Henares, not far from Toledo, Toledo itself. I'm from Cleveland, so I tend to speak here. <laughs> talk of Toledo as Toledo. The, the host of the house in which he was staying warned him that the inquisitors were speaking of him and his fellow pilgrims as alumbrados or illuminati, or adherence to a loose federation of persons reporting mystical experiences. Inquisitors did indeed question Ignatius and he was kept in rather loose custody until the arrival of their sentence, which exonerated him and his companions but required that they dress as students that they not speak uh, on matters of faith for four years, during which time they would engage in studies. Ignatius then paid a visit to the Archbishop of Toledo who received him very graciously and provided both funds and connections for studies in Salamanca. So he moved (coughs) to Salamanca. In Salamanca, Ignatius and companions were in close contact with Dominicans. In the autobiography, which I also previously mentioned, we hear that he went to confession to a Dominican friar at the College of St. Stephen. The same friar suggested that he come to dine one Sunday in the Dominican community, warning him, however, that the other friars had questions to ask of him. Ignatius obliged and he and one of his companions, Calixto came to the Sunday dinner, after which they were questioned about a number of theological matters. Mentioned was the name of Desiderius Erasmus, whose writings often contained satirical remarks about the abuses in the church and had roused much suspicion in Salamanca among both Franciscans and Dominicans. One of the problems was that many of the Erasmians downplayed the importance of the sacraments. Ignatius and Calixto remained in the community for three days, during which time the room in which they were, were lodged, and I quote, was almost always full of friars who came to speak with them. And I continue the quotation. The pilgrim, that is Ignatius, spoke with them as he was accustomed to do, and there arose among the friars a division, many of the friars showing affection for them, that is, for Calixto and Ignatius. At the conclusion of the three days, Ignatius, Calixto, and two other companions were imprisoned, during which time Ignatius was interrogated about matters theological. After 22 days, the companions were called to hear their own their sentence read, no error had been found in either their way of life or their doctrine. And I quote, thus they could do what they had been doing previously, teaching doctrine and speaking about divine things with this one situa- stipulation that until they had spent four years in further studies, they never define that this is a mortal sin and this a venial sin. Apparently that was part of the conversation end of quotation at this point ignatius decided not to stay in salamanca but go to paris to further his studies including the study of thomas aquinas the repeated confrontations during this period with individuals and entities many of them dominican that is dominicans interested in defending sound doctrine had their effect on the spiritual exercises in the already mentioned rules for thinking with the church Ignatius sets out a number of rules that no doubt correspond to the reassurances he gave to his interrogators the first rule for instance states that and I said and I quote setting aside all judgments or all judgments de uh, facto, uh, it's in Spanish he he ought to hold, or we ought to hold in mind, that is, animo, uh, we ought to hold hold the mind ready and prompt to obey in everything the hierarchical church. End of of quotation. And then the second rule for speaking, or living with the church, or um, thinking with the church, speaks of praising confession to a priest and the regular reception of the Eucharist. It also specifies that reception of the Eucharist must be with the requisite and due conditions by which Ignatius certainly had in mind the stipulation that persons living in mortal sin ought not to present themselves to receive communion. The seventh rule speaks positively of fasting and abstinence and other penances, not solely internal, but also external. And the ninth enjoys enjoins praise for the precepts of the church, maintaining the mind ready to seek out reasons in her defense and in no way her offense. Juan Alfonso de Polanco, a close collaborator of Ignatius, in his so-called directory for those giving these spiritual exercises, explains that the rules for thinking with the church, and I quote, deservedly commend those things that the heretics of these times attack or condemn. End of quotation. In the same place, he also states that these rules can, and I quote, bring it about not only that one not err by opening otherwise, by opining otherwise than is proper, either privately or publicly, by speaking or writing, but also that should statements or writings by others depart from the church, the church's understanding in any way or its way of speaking, one might discern this and warn others to be cautious, end of quotation. That's his his instructions for giving the the, uh, exercises. None of this to say, of course, is that the rules for thinking with the church were directly inspired by Thomas Aquinas. Nonetheless, many of those who... um, stimulated or even pushed Ignatius in the direction of writing those rules, especially the Dominicans, were indeed inspired by Thomas Aquinas. And that, I believe, was a good thing. The rules for thinking with the church clearly served the purpose of assuring those conducting the Inquisition, actually also the Inquisition in Paris, and others, that Ignatius did not support the Erasmian's or the alumbrados that is at least those alumbrados who advocated personal distancing from the hierarchical church and from the sacraments but they would not have assured assured those who especially in the period before there existed a definitive and detailed text of the exercises saw alumbrado that is illuminist tendencies in ignatius's general approach in his mission that is of helping individuals in private prayer, prayer to discern what was God's will for them. The section of the exercise uh, the exercises on the three times in which an election might be made is a help in this regard. These three times are closely connected with what is called today's often, you know, Ignatian discernment. It is difficult to determine when exactly the section on the three times found its way into the exercises in its definitive form but whenever it was included it certainly cast doubt on the thesis that ignatius propounded an individualistic free-thinking mysticism ignatius describes the three times in the following manner and as you have this on these three on your uh, handout the first time This is the way it's written. um, The first time is when God, our Lord, so moves and attracts the will that without doubt and without the ability to doubt, such a devout soul acts in accordance with that which is shown, just as St. Paul and St. Matthew did in following our Lord Jesus Christ. Second time, the second, when sufficient clarity and knowledge is obtained through the experience of consolation and desolations, and through the distinguishing of the various spirits. And the third time. The third time is tranquil, in which one may consider why it is that a man is born, which is to say, in order to praise our Lord, God our Lord and to save his soul, and desiring this as a means, he elects a life, uh, a life or state within the limits of the church, by which he might be aided in the service of the Lord and in the salvation of his soul. I mean that the time is tranquil when the soul is not agitated by various spirits and makes free use of his natural potent, potencies tranquilly. End of quotation. By associating the first time with St. Paul being struck down on the road to D- Damascus and St. Paul's hearing Jesus say, follow me, and immediately following him, Ignatius, it would seem, intended to suggest that elections occurring in this first time were rare. Incidentally, that, that these two conversions are both you know, kind of the subjects of, of uh, pictures by Caravaggio, those very the two mentioned by Ignatius. Traditionally, in the society of Jesus, this has been the interpretation or understanding of the first time. If to be an alumbrado is to regard such mystical experiences as common, Ignatius was no alumbrado. I might say, I might mention in in my interpretation, my reading of, uh, of the exercises, I... Very often depend on, on a Jesuit who was a member of my own province and I knew uh, 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 when I was in the um, when in a bishop, um uh, Jules Toner has a, a very, a couple of very fine books on, on, on the exercises. But come back to the, the various times. Even the second time, however, although it speaks of distinguishing the various spirits, is not without a grounding in the concrete context. Of the life of the exercitant, exert, which context includes the progress that he or she may or may not have already made in living the moral life. It is true that Ignatius speaks in the exercises of consolation without previous cause, that is, sin causa precedente, which can only, which consolation can only be given by God. But there's no reason to maintain that the second time always, or even frequently, involves consolation without previous cause. Ignatius says that by that expression, he means, and I quote, without any previous sentiment or knowledge of an object by means of which such consolation might have occurred, uh, meditated by the exergitants' acts of understanding and willing. So that's, that's the distinction that he's making from kind of other more normal um, experiences. There's no suggestion in Ignatius's description of the second time that the consolations and desolations are not me- mediated by the ex- ex- exercitant's acts of understanding and willing. So it's th- those things are are very much present um, even in the in the in the second in the second way. And there is good evidence that the second time does consider such acts of understanding and willing. And we're talking about, you know, acts within um, the life itself, and therefore not uh, uh, um, it's, it's not about consolation without previous cause. Moreover, in Ignatius' second set of rules for the discernment of spirits, especially in the rules... Uh, in rules four through seven, he speaks repeatedly of the involvement of human and intellect and will. An over-emphasis on consolation without previous cause would indeed have evoked accusations of alumbrado tendencies. For that would suggest that the experience and results of the spiritual exercises are above external rational critique. But but Ignatius does not engage in any such overemphasis. One contemporary theologian, however, who does so engage is Karl Rahner. Rahner maintains in an essay that consolation without previous cause is the first principle of all discernment, all discernment of spirits. This is consonant with his own Heidegger inspired theory of the supernatural existential. Regarding the constellation without previous cause, he says in that essay, and I quote, it is there as a condition of average acts possibility as an anticipatory reaching out as merely a light illuminating a conceptual object, not as a conceptual object itself. It is not the object of a concept not a contents of consciousness that can be named or delimited, end of quotation. But as Jules Toner remarks, the man I mentioned earlier, Rahner's essay is more theological speculation than exegetical study of the text of Ignatius. Consolation and desolation of divine origin can be, and often are, important factors in Ignatian discernment. But the third tranquil time does not include them. Ignatius says that, and I quote, "'The time is tranquil when the soul is not agitated by various spirits and makes free use of his natural potencies tranquilly end of quote. This is decisive evidence that discerning God's will is not essentially a mystical event or procedure. Indeed, the language that Ignatius uses in his description of the third time is pedestrianally Aristotelian in in character. Ignatius speaks, that is, of means, that is, um, uh, the election of a particular life or state within the limits of the church, by which and ex- exercitant might make progress towards the end of service to our Lord and salvation of his own soul. The French Jesuit Henri Pinard de la Boulet, writing well before Rahner, indicates multiple places in the exercises where Ignatius speaks similarly of means and ends, means and ends, which you would find or um, uh, 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 pay attention to in, examining one's own life. To conclude then, there is solid evidence of the positive influence of Thomistic thought upon Ignatius of Loyola once he had arrived in Rome. It is also very clear that Ignatius was exposed to Thomas's writings while before that studying in Paris. This again, positive influence is reflected in our earliest surviving written version of the spiritual exercises which dates from the time in Paris. Considerably less manifest uh, is any evidence regarding Ignatius' attitude towards Thomistic thought during the years prior to his transfer to Paris. And yet those years are probably more important given present concerns, for it was in those years that the exercises were born, both in Ignatius's heart and in his contact with others who did the exercises under his direction. In this brief talk, I have presented, I believe, somewhat reliable evidence that during this period, Ignatius was by no means inimical to to Thomistic thought. His contact, often under interrogation with Dominicans, ultimately satisfied the latter, and that was no small feat. His his interrogators would have seen in particular that Ignatius was no alumbrado, and that his his method of making vocational choices, that is Ignatian discernment, involved very prominently the use of human reason in determining what choices would be in accordance with life within the Catholic Church, and so in accordance with God's will. Thank you.